0: Welcome to the Ross Road Connect Podcast. I'm Holly
1: and I'm Craig
0: and we are your hosts as we talk all things church, life, theology, faith, and beyond. Welcome everybody to the Ross Road Connect Podcast. Uh, My name's Holly and I'm here with my co-host Craig. How are you doing today, Craig?
2: Hi, Holly. I'm doing great
0: wait just one minute. That didn't exactly sound like Craig to me. Is there an imposter on the other line?
2: I don't know what you're talking about. I am Craig. I can prove it.
0: Really? I love sports. Okay, great.
2: <laughs> I love sports. Oh, yep. I okay, probably love sense. my family. And probably. Yep, yeah, probably. And I can tell you about things I hate, like nice. cheese. I hate cheese, but like not yeah. always, mm. just sometimes. Uh I hate putting the proper grammar of one space after a period. I hate that. I don't like people who do that. So obviously I'm Craig.
0: You know what? I've never been more convinced.
2: <laughs> well, now that I've got you convinced, let me tell you, I'm not Craig.
0: No way. No. <laughs>
2: But also, we can see each other, but that, uh, that is
0: true. Yeah, well, you know, you weren't supposed to tell the audience. Uh, I'm sure we had them so convinced. <laughs> well, welcome I, to the podcast, Graham.
2: Oh, thank you. Yes, my name is yeah. Graham. I am on the podcast, and uh, let let us tell you why. Uh, yes So, as many of you know, Pastor Craig. Uh, how did um? What's her name? Who was Susan? Who did that? I think she Su-
0: said he has succumbed to succumbed COVID.
2: to COVID. So he has done that. Uh, is feeling he's had a he's had a rough week uh so and we are past the date of the uh planned release of this podcast so I said hey why don't I fill your your spot I'm actually sitting in his office using his microphone
0: that's true you really you look the part
2: (laughs) not as handsome as he is but uh or (laughs) smart (laughs) Uh, but anyway, Holly, this is uh, the first podcast of 2022.
0: It is.
2: Did I get the year right?
0: <laughs> you did. Earlier, yeah, you said 2020, but, but um, you got it this time around. But I feel like everybody's still like stuck in 2020, so yeah. we'll, we'll give you a
2: pass. It's just been one long year. And I don't know about you, been. but like I remember for 2019, for me, wasn't a great year. And I don't remember specifically, oh. but I felt like... It was culturally not a great year, hmm. uh, and everyone was like, "2020 is going to be great."
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and now
2: it's it just felt like it's been going on for three years now. But anyway, and that's uh, so
0: interesting because I feel like I had a great 2019. Oh, did that you? That was. Yeah, that was. I went on a road trip to California. Oh, that would um, be nice. It was. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah, I went to the you know Warp Tour 25th year anniversary. It was a. It was a great, great year for Hall. Is it
2: possible that because you had such a great year, we're all being punished now?
0: That's true. I, you know what? <laughs> I I will take the fall.
2: <laughs> I just yeah. remember like being like, oh, like it's a new decade. It's got a fun yeah, number. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, we don't have to keep- we're uh, so
0: let down. Well, you know what? (laughs) We eventually actually want to have you on the podcast for a full episode. But until then, why don't you just give our listeners a little bit of a rundown of who you are, what your role is here at the church? Well,
2: I'll just give you a, a very abbreviated one because mm-hmm. we will expand on it in a future yeah. podcast. But uh I my family and I have been going to Ross Road for four years, which See, is that's
0: wild to it's me. Unbelievable. I not like I didn't even know that you existed until you started to work at the church. <laughs> well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna blame COVID for that.
2: We were here two years before COVID started, Uh, but I will say in your defense, nobody knew who we were.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) That makes me feel better. I don't don't know
2: how we just kind of flew under the radar, but, uh, and we actually, we came in during uh, the transition between Art and Craig. And I actually, uh, feeling that had a little bit to do with it, but anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there, uh, of course COVID hits and then we're all online and and stuff like that. So yes, until I started working here, most people didn't know who I was and most people still might not know who I am, but I have, um, I started working as a kind of like an AV tech person. So essentially in the sound booth, there's a visuals person and a sound person and I am one of the people that fill that role, but I'm also one of the people that kind of coordinate that position. And also when uh, we were doing all the online recording, well, we still are, but when it was, we were doing music recording as well, I was a part of that. Um, So I've been doing a lot of sound recording for all our online stuff and coordinating our wonderful, uh, amazing volunteers. Uh, And then uh, I do lawn care Uh, most of the year and it gets quiet over the winter and Sandy was looking for an assistant and I said you know what I could do this for a couple months and so I have been doing that so I've been working full-time and that will end soon because I got to go back to cutting grass so I've been around more often uh bothering people
0: (laughs) yeah it's uh no I can't confirm
2: (laughs) no I love having it yeah no I love having
0: you around in the office it's a great time yeah (laughs)
2: I maybe make more jokes than I should, but uh,
0: no, you—you you know what? I've never heard you make a joke in the, <laughs> yeah the entire time that I've known you.
2: <laughs> and they've all been completely appropriate jokes.
0: That's uh, true. Yeah, that
2: anyone could hear and just laugh along with.
0: That's right.
2: So, how has yeah. your 2022 uh, been going? Uh, we're we're a few weeks yeah. in. Uh, how are you feeling?
0: It's been pretty good. The new year started really strong. Uh, my cousins from Edmonton came out to surprise me uh, on New Year's oh, Eve. Oh, what? So yeah, that was like so awesome because I, my friend Jess said, you know, just come over for lunch, whatever. And I was like, it's kind of weird that you want to have lunch in the middle of your work day, but whatever. I was on vacation. So I go over to her house expecting to just walk in and have lunch with her. And then I go inside and I open the door to her room and my cousins are sitting there. So Jess was so, in on it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Jess and Corey, like they all knew because everybody's really close. So, yeah, they all coordinated it. So I've heard you uh,
2: on this podcast talk about your cousins and talk about how uh, during the pandemic you're resuming, all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. I know that you have a a really great relationship with them. So that's and I haven't heard this story. So this is, I love it.
0: It It was super fun. Yeah, the last couple of years definitely were really good for all of our relationships with each other. We've all gotten a lot closer, which is funny because in COVID you would assume uh, the opposite. Your relationships Mm, with people kind of struggle, but when you live, when you live far away, you kind of have to, you know, do what you can, but it's it's interesting during COVID too. I found, I mean, during COVID we're still here, but I feel like even some of my relationships with people who live here kind of flourished too, because Mm. we weren't seeing each other in person. So it was almost like, okay, we have to find a way that we can still, connects um, when we're not seeing each other every day. And there's people now that I talk to more than I did before COVID because we'll just stay in contact like via the phone the whole day.
2: Do you so now? You're a lot younger than I am, so your social <laughs> well, you are, but your social life well, is a lot. You, yeah. yeah, you're, you're welcome. Um, your social life is a lot. You're at a different stage in your social life than than I am. That's true. Uh, I I am a very social person and was very much like you, but now that I'm older, am less like that. Um, but I find in my life that it's like my closer relationships are closer. (laughs) What am I saying? Mm -hmm. But anyway, the the kind of the fluffy ones are less fluffy. Like, yeah. Do you find that? Or do you find like people that you were quasi close with are kind of have that has increased or that has decreased?
0: I definitely growing up was such a person of, I want just a bunch of friends and I, took a lot of pride in, oh, I know so many people and I have all these friends, but as I've grown older, it's definitely, I, um, I'm a lot more like thankful for the people that are really close and my close knit group of people that I have, we're very close knit. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've come to have a much bigger appreciation for that close knit group. And I still have like other friends too, that I'm, um, still friends with, but yeah, I've just, um, grown a much bigger appreciation for, those like closer, like smaller group, but people that I'm very close to. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. That's cool. And how has the snow, uh, have you been, are you someone who enjoys when it snows?
0: I, because I'm a snowboarder, I oh. love the snow on the mountain.
2: Yeah. Where it belongs. Um,
0: exactly where it belongs. Yes. <laughs> and I like to look at the snow, but I don't like it when it impacts driving. So, you know, and I appreciated when it um, was snowing on Christmas because, you know, we haven't had that in a while. That was nice. But also I have family who lives in Harrison. So Mm -hmm. trying to drive out there was a bit of a struggle on that day. But in general, I do like the snow. I like to look at it and I like to snowboard, but I don't enjoy it when it impacts driving.
2: Yeah, like yeah. so you have a car. Uh, what yeah. was that like driving around? Like you, <laughs> you like grinding the bottom of the snow or what?
0: Oh, I avoided driving so much. Like as yeah. much as I possibly could, I was not on the road. But I do have winter tires, so oh, that's it wasn't of... the end of the world. Yeah, But I, I really just didn't drive as often as I could. and any time, like I had to go Somewhere, um, Corey would be driving for sure.
2: Yeah, I yeah. my I grew up in Alberta, grew up near yeah. Edmonton, and lived in Edmonton. I'm not your cousin, but uh, I did do those <laughs> things. And what uh, turn <laughs> of events? <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine the, Like, we oh, started figuring that cousin, out right yeah. now. Like, we're like second cousin that would be twice removed. Listening. Like, yeah, that'd be wild. <laughs> um, but so. I'm used to the snow, although I've lived in BC for many years and I have got soft. Um, right. And so <laughs> l- l- my wife, Laura, is like, oh, I love the snow, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I'm done with it. Like, it can. To just go away. I'm yeah. like you. It's like, I love living here where I can see the snow on the mountains where it belongs, but I don't exactly. need it in my yard. I don't need it on the roads, uh, but we've had an SUV and like, it was a lifesaver. Oh, um, I bet. Like we have a long gravel driveway that's kind of sloped and my car, like it couldn't even drive on the flat part. So we just parked it and we just four wheel drive it out of the driveway every day. Like, <gasps> I don't know how people survived. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad to see it melting. I'm glad the roads are clear. Yeah. That's uh something I'm thankful for. Uh, oh totally. Anyway. Yeah. So I had an idea, Holly. Um, we don't want to make this intro too long because we've got to get to the rainwater <laughs> podcast. That's true. Uh, but I but since Craig is not here, and Craig is a <laughs> sports buff, and I am not admittedly a a sports person. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't think you are either. No. I thought we should talk about sports without Craig.
0: And you know what, Graham, let me tell you that I appreciate so much that you are not a sports person. Like, you know, all the power to everybody who does like sports. Oh, yeah. That's great. And I like it when people are passionate about things, anything really. So that can include sports. But, you know, Graham, you don't like sports and you go on TikTok. So... (laughs) Those were like two things I was thinking, yep, Graham and I will be friends.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. We don't have to waste our time with those sports (laughs) conversations.
0: Exactly. Yeah. A a silly sports conversation. But you know what? In the summer, I actually turned into a little bit of a sporty person myself. Um, I, you know, I tried playing uh, or not tried. I played a lot of spike ball this summer. Ah, Yes. So that was, um, you know, probably the extent of my sports career. But it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a very fun sport does everyone know what spike ball
2: is does everyone know what spike ball is
0: i i probably not it's it's definitely a newer thing so it's kind of like volleyball but you play it on a round net (laughs) on the ground i like how you want to hit the net (laughs) (laughs) yeah you do want to hit the net
2: (laughs) yeah imagine like a small exercise trampoline but it's true but instead it's that shape and size but it has a volleyball net over top of it and then you have a tiny ball that's like rubber like the size of a tennis ball. Yeah. And then pretty you much. want to like hit the net and make it bounce. So, yeah. And then the other team has to grab it. And you're just like loosely running around the circle. Like oh, there's yeah. no lines or anything. Yeah. And, you, and like, sometimes the ball goes like three feet out and you got like oh, yeah. to like run and get it.
0: And people are really good at it. Interestingly enough, Blake Bozak is probably going to cringe that I am sharing this information, but he's like the best in Canada at oh. spike ball it's crazy yeah are you you just saying
2: that or is that a thing no
0: he actually is it's yeah he's going to the international um like contest next year it's wild or this year next year i'm not sure but yeah it's pretty impressive
2: it's one of those sports i feel like you like I, i follow them on tiktok i have a spike ball set and i and i have played it and i love it yeah um but I don't have the body of an athletic person. So it's not like, it's not like my, I'm not the best. I'm not like Blake. Um, but, but I watch them on TikTok. I follow the Spikeball account and they'll do, the, yeah. like, they'll show these amazing rallies. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and they look easy. I like, know. Like they're like, and it is not that easy.
0: It's not easy. Yeah. It's, uh, It's like, it's difficult, but also I am a very not sporty person and I could pick up the sport and Mm. play it. But yeah, people who are good are like really, really impressive.
2: So do you play with Blake?
0: I have played with Blake a couple of times, but I am nowhere close to his level. Like he is like... Do you yeah, just try to be on his team world. all
2: the time? I do. <laughs> I'm I, on Blake's team. Yeah. I call Blake. The
0: only times that I've played with him, I've been like, yeah, I need to be on Blake's team. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise you
2: get murdered yeah. by him. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so let's have so a sports Graham, conversation. Yeah. I thought yeah, maybe exactly.
2: I, we could each talk about our favorite sports moment in sports
0: <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> history.
2: Good. I like that. Do you have a sports <laughs> moment that you can attach yourself to? Or not. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i hoping you have something. I do. Okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah. My favorite moment in sports history was when the Vancouver Canucks beat the Chicago Blackhawks oh. in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2011.
2: Oh, okay. It was
0: a great day. It was like game... I think it was like the... I don't know it was almost at the end of the series. Like, yeah, because they beat the Blackhawks, and then I think after that was maybe when they played the Boston Bruins. Right. I can't uh, yes. exactly remember, but um, yeah, that I remember. I went down to South Fraser Way and was like running up and down the street with like the flag, and everybody was cheering, and it all oh, what a, it was a great time to be alive for sure.
2: I uh, remember that as well. That was yeah. a big. Um, actually, I mean the the. Unfortunate memory for me mostly is the riots that happened after. Oh, totally. Uh, and so it actually tainted,
0: but I am definitely yeah. a
2: bandwagon. Hockey Same. fan, oh
0: yeah, like uh,
2: and bandwagon, even like not just when they're winning, but like when they're like winning the playoffs.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's almost like yeah. a sh-
2: sh- social thing where it's like, oh, let's meet at that pub and watch the game. And it's like, I don't go exactly. to pubs. I don't watch hockey games. But there's chicken wings there, right? And there's people that are excited. I'm so to- I'm in. Uh, yeah, that's, exactly. That's what I need. It uh, is all
0: about the experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that was good. That was good. And actually, yeah. mine was actually is very similar. Uh, which is the twenty ten uh, the twenty ten Olympics? Yeah, uh, in Vancouver, uh, Canada versus U.S. gold medal hockey match. I remember I, remember I, was, I was in a Boston Pizza uh, with my brother and his wife and my wife, and uh, and I remember he had to fly out. He had to go home, like. Back to Edmonton, uh, yeah, like, like, soon as the game was over and it went into overtime, oh, no. and we're like, Oh, oh no. yeah, like, this, like, like, we're looking at our watch, trying to figure out what our point of no return is. Um, but luckily, we lived in Richmond at the time, so we we're very close to the airport, uh, but like, we're just, oh man, and uh, then now I'm gonna forget, <laughs> I, th- I feel like it was Sydney Crosby, that it was, like, Sydney Crosby. Oh, was it. okay. <laughs> Like, and even Krisa. I know that. <laughs> like, I was like sure of that, but like not sure of that. Uh, yeah. Craig is probably cringing if he listens to it's this. True, but yes, yeah. <laughs> Sydney Crosby scores, and like the whole boss of Pisa just lit up. And, like, I yeah. had strange men hugging me. Oh, uh, I bet. And then buying uh, d- drinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so fun. And then we had to leave, like, right away. We're like, okay, we got to be, like, it's like we yeah. were there for maybe five minutes after the, the, the goal was scored. And um, and we so we're at the Boston Pizza in Richmond that's, like, by Ironwood. I don't know. It's, like, yeah. just on the other end of Steveson Highway. So, really, okay. we just have to now drive through – across kitty corner, across Richmond to get to the airport. And I remember the drive. Cause this is 10 minutes after the goal was scored. We're driving yeah, and everyone's out on the streets and oh, they're honking. Yeah. Oh, you're not going
0: to be able to get anywhere. Yet. Oh,
2: and, and luckily like they're not driving yet. So they're just on the sidewalks. So we go drive to the airport and we go home. And I said to Laura, like, Oh, this is like, that was exciting <laughs> driving around. Yeah, and and totally. I'm like, I'm like, should we get back in the car and just go drive around some more? And we got back in the car and we went just like honking. We just were driving around honking. It was so fun. Uh, But I, but also, I mean, so yes, the experience was great, but in terms of sports uh, that was, (laughs) you know, there was so much of that. Like it was, it was like watching a movie, like,
0: Oh, Even it was the
2: two competitive teams. Yeah, uh, it was a great game. And then, of course, the game winning goal by a Canadian hero, you know, uh, yeah, so. Wayne
0: Gretzky. Right. That was. Yeah, <laughs> the, <laughs> new, the new Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I remember I was actually at Ross Road watching that game because they oh. like, put it up on uh, uh, they put it up on the screen in the gym. So that is uh, where I was, a young high school Holly.
2: (laughs) Well, Craig, I hope you're listening to this and jealous of the sports conversation we're having. Uh, We can never have this conversation again. Like, so we're not interested in Craig's favorite moment, and we (laughs) hope that he never talks about sports again. And we had all the sports talk (sighs) we could have.
0: That's true. Uh, We've reached our cap for 2022.
2: So the interview today was actually recorded a couple of weeks ago and is with mm-hmm. our missionaries uh, that we support. Um, well, do you want to talk about the rainwaters?
0: Yeah. So it was an interview with Dwayne and Helen Rainwater. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, they do Bible translating work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head what details we're supposed to share about location, but um, yeah, they've been back in Abbotsford for about a year. And a bit, uh, well, sure. yeah. My concept of time is out the yeah, door. I can't uh, help you they, either. <laughs> yeah, I know. So they've been back, uh, yeah, with their kids, Michael and Lisa, for the last little bit. Um, yeah, so it's been great to have them back. So we got to hear a little bit about their experiences and uh, the work that they do with Bible translating, what it's been like being back, etc. So yeah, it's a, I, it was a great interview. I,
2: it, it was. I was re. I I have listened to the interview already. I was working on the edit. But uh, it was very interesting to think about, um, like, just exactly what goes into it. It's hard.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: And you think about it that like they're also responsible for like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the big boy
3: responsibility.
2: (laughs) Like, it's not just like oh, we're like it's like it's almost like not rewriting the Bible. It's not that because you're trying to be as true to form as possible, but like. When you're trying to, like, these words don't line up. Like, I, I imagine the person that translated from Greek or whatever to, to English. Yeah. Like, like how much responsibility did that person have? Right. Like, you know? I And, know. like, this, this is what is going to be taught and preached and people are going to yeah. believe in. And, like, you're responsible for that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's uh, you gotta
2: have some thick skin, I feel like, uh, and all the language you have to understand and the communication that they're anyway, it's uh, it's an amazing um thing that they're doing, and uh, you know, now, fun rainwater story, and uh, they have not heard me talk about this, and in fact, no one has, but I I knew the rainwaters before I knew anyone from Ross Road, so I helped with the Iwana program that was the one that's here now was originally at Clearbrook MB in Abbotsford and the rainwaters attended the that awana so oh. i led lisa and michael and i i I like, I'm now helping with your high school group, yeah. which Lisa attends, and I've never said anything yeah. more. I just assumed they would never remember me. So I, I didn't right. want to embarrass myself like, Oh, do you remember me? I'm this dumb guy. <laughs> well, if you did.
0: use that voice, then probably, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so anyway, I remember like, and they were probably only in it for a few months and then they went back or two, I don't know what process this Bible translating is in their whole Life story, but yeah. um, they were in Canada for a bit a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they attended, and then they were going to Af- uh, wherever they're going. I <laughs>
0: know. <Actually. laughs> I think we could. Uh, I think we could say Africa. Oh, okay. I, I just don't think well, we could say where specifically. Africa's a big place.
2: <laughs> well, and I stopped myself because then I was worried it yeah. also wasn't Africa. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know what? If we got that wrong, we can just like bleep it
3: out. And, and I think uh, <laughs> they talk
2: about, they may have talked about it in the interview, but anyway. So I remember uh, them. I remember like uh, saying goodbye to them, like praying for them as they left uh, Awana. And uh, anyway, so, and that was, that was about a couple months before we started attending Ross Road. So. Wow. Yeah, that's they were All my world. first, yeah, my first experience uh, un- unknowingly with Ross Road.
0: Wow, it was meant oh, to be. It was, wow. It's come full
2: circle, and now I'm, I'm introducing them on a podcast that I did not interview them, uh, you and Craig did. <laughs> the <laughs> real true. Craig, not the fake <laughs> the Craig. The real
0: Craig Thiessen, yeah. So well, I guess, uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, with, that, with that, we can and, go to our b- interview.
2: Before we do, I must say, this mm. has been a pleasure, Holly, and uh, great chatting say, with yeah. you.
0: Honestly, it's been great to have you as a guest host and uh, you can feel free to join as a guest host anytime again.
2: I'm trying to convince Craig that he doesn't have to come back to work, that everything's running super smooth without him. Yeah, And uh, and so I can take over the podcast. I, I probably could take over the preaching. Like, is it that hard? I, I don't know. I think you
0: could, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, Craig, I'm, office, joking. Like... I'm joking. I'm <laughs> joking. You could absolutely have your job back. I am not the man <laughs> for the job. But anyway, nice chatting with you. And now uh, let's yeah, get into our, uh, our your interview with the Rainwaters.
1: Well, Dwayne and Helen, welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast.
4: Yeah, thank, thank you yeah. for inviting us.
1: <laughs> yeah, great to have you here. Great to chat with you. Uh, I want to start with this question, and it's it's a big question. I'm sure you could go in a lot of directions with this, but um, I want you to pretend like we're talking to someone that has never met you before, uh, because there are probably people listening to this who have never met you before. Um, describe what you do to someone who's never met you before.
4: Oh, Describe what we do. Um, we translate the Bible uh or a local people in West Africa in their own language. Uh, so we translate the, both the Old and the New Testament so that they will have the whole s- of scripture in their own language.
3: In a lot of places, people don't have a Bible available to them. And so that really affects how they can um, learn about God and Christ and how they can fellowship, you know, grow deeper. And uh, so, it, in a, so it really impacts how churches can develop or not if they don't Mm -hmm. have a a Bible available to them. So Mm -hmm. so the people group that we're working with is a very unreached group. And because they don't have the Bible, they don't really have any any way of knowing about Jesus and the
4: gospel. Often a question that often goes with this is, uh, why not just teach them English or French Mm -hmm. or or some other language that has the Bible? And uh, quick response is, Would you read the Bible if it were in Russian (laughs) or French (laughs) instead of English? And uh, without it being in their language, it it just cuts off a lot of people who won't even consider reading it, even if it is a language that they know somewhat. And also when it's in the language that you speak at home that touches your heart, then the words penetrate deeper into the heart and, and become more meaningful.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a great point. And it's, it's interesting. It's just something that I have never really had to think about in, you know, in North America, I feel like it's so easy to have access to a Bible. So I kind of forget that in other places around the world, it's just not that easy. So it's, yeah, so important, the work that you both do. So tell us how God brought you into both missions and translation work.
3: Well, uh, we came into it separately and, uh, went over to Singles and such and uh, met later on. So we each have our own <laughs> stories. Um, so I had worked at the first camp in Bellingham during high school. And after that, even though that wasn't really a ministry area of my uh, gifting, <laughs> put it that way, um, I did enjoy it and realized that ministry was, you know, significant. And so shortly after that, uh, Otto Eck, And he shared with the youth and we, uh, you know, talked and something and that made me think about, you know, connecting what I'd done in the summer with missions, even if it was, you know, other opportunities and such. So that's kind of what sparked an interest in missions as well. My mom had been really involved with uh, communicating with missionaries over the years. As far as translation was concerned, um, I had a French teacher at MEI who had worked with Wycliffe Bible Translators as a M.K. teacher, missionary teacher. And there were some opportunities that she gave me that helped me to realize that I had a knack for languages. And so I kind of put missions and language or linguistics together and thought, well, I guess that means (laughs) a Bible translator would be a good um, way to go. And then it was kind of cool because uh, in grade 12, we had a Bible project where we had to do a career exploration Um, project and you know interview somebody in a career of interest and that sort of thing and I thought wow what am I going to do you know all the translators are elsewhere (laughs) there's no translators around here and what I didn't know is that the only Canadian linguistics training school at the time was located at Trinity and so Mike and Verna Walrud whose son was at MEI years ahead of me um, were in the area so I was able to connect with them and that was really cool and encouraging Mm -hmm.
4: For me, um, goes back to when I was a young Christian, junior high, high school, uh, missionaries from East Africa had, uh, were visiting at our church and they showed their slides, you know, the, the old missionary slideshow, this is so-and-so, and again, it, you know, <laughs> it just comes on, put you to sleep, but, uh, the <laughs> uh, yeah, their slideshow and their work, what they were doing and, he was a preacher and taught preaching in, in, in Bible studies to young ministers and stuff in Africa. And she was a nurse. And so at some point in their slides, they had uh, slides of malnourished children in East Africa who weren't getting you know, enough food and nutrition and, and, and uh, really close to dying. And I remember after that presentation, even praying, well, Lord, that was really interesting. That looked like it would be pretty cool to see different parts of the world and all and different cultures and stuff. But I just can't handle that part with the kids starving to death. I I can't do that. So I remember praying, okay, so Lord, whatever you want, just don't ask me to be a missionary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then um, later when I went off to college, I went to Bible college, um, mainly because as a Christian, I figured. I needed a better grounding in, in God's word. I didn't know what I wanted to do specifically, so I figured not to wait waste my time and actually study something that, that would be of value to me. So I went to Bible college and arrived there. And the first person I met asked me, so why are you here at Bible college? I'll probably help with a youth group or be a Sunday school teacher or do something like that. Who knows? And you don't want to be a you don't want to be a missionary? <laughs> like, <laughs> No, 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 I don't want to be a missionary. <laughs> it's like, if God wanted you to be a missionary, would you be a missionary? And That got me thinking. I'm like, yeah, if God wanted me to be a missionary, but he doesn't want me to be a missionary. <laughs> so I to kind of put it aside. Well, after a couple of years, so there at the Bible college, getting closer to graduation time, <clears throat> the same person I knew was, uh, his plans were to be a Bible translator. And to work somehow in Bible translation and uh, I had to, knew I had a little bit of gifting uh, in computers and technology stuff. So I thought I would. Um, I volunteered to help them with their Bible translation work in that area. Then uh, later, when I went on an internship to Papua New Guinea to discover more what this missionary Bible translation stuff was all about. <laughs> um was one of the missionaries there that challenged me to go ahead and study the linguistics for Bible translation that um, that a lot of people who become Bible translators are people who are really skilled and interested in things like math and science. And because it's uh, linguistics is a real analytical science, that practical linguistics. And so. Um, so I did that and found it very fascinating, interesting. And eventually it led to um, me working as a Bible translator. (laughs) And then there's other guy is a colleague still of ours, and he, um, their, their main focus is literacy. So they teach people how to read and write in their own language. Yeah. Mm. End up working with them. (laughs) We still work. Yeah, we work with them. So (laughs) great. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's neat how God shapes our, our path. Helen, I wonder, um, I'm trying to remember when your family showed up at the then East Aldergrove, now Ross Road. I want to say it was 87 or something like that. Am I right?
3: Uh, probably around uh, 80.
1: Oh, 80. 80. Okay. So a little now. bit. Yeah. So what do you remember about being a kid at East Aldergrove?
3: <laughs> wow. Um we were some of the few non-Mennonites around, so
4: you
3: know, we were kind of the oddballs in the way we didn't have any other family
4: there. Not related to everybody. everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah, Dwayne, tell us what the translation process actually looks like. How and how much has been done, and how much
4: uh, remains. Initially, you got to learn the language, and so that that and there's as a Bible translator, you're probably going somewhere that the language isn't ri- written or hasn't been for long. And so likely there isn't a school that teaches language. Mm-hmm. So it won't be language learning like sitting in a French class, mm-hmm. <laughs> learning out of a textbook from a teacher, but rather going into the community where people live and speak the language. And uh, it's a full immersion kind of deal. Uh, not anymore, there's usually a language of wider communication that you might learn first, like we learned French, because that's the language of wider communication, and then you can um, use that to learn the words, start start speaking with people. That can and often take three to four years. Yeah, three to four years. <laughs> Friends, his colleague said um, that expect for every year that you would study a language in school to get to that proficiency, it'll probably take three years to do that <laughs> on the field. Wow. So, wow. Um, but uh, see, so, so you learn the language, then you to the level that you will need. And that can depend quite a bit on the project and where you are and what's going on. But um, the actual translation, I, I've broken it down. I can't remember, I, I need to count it up again, but I think it's like about seven phases of the process that I, I go through. The first one would be the rough draft. Um, the project that we start, we're working on the rough draft of the New Testament was already done by another organization. So that was already taken care of. So we worked on that. Then um, we do the exegetical check. Uh, and in the exegetical check, then I kind of subdivide that again. Of uh, There's my exegetical study of it. And what I tend to do is I translate it from the Greek into English for myself. And then that also helps work through the process of translating it. And then I use that translation and, and others to translate it into the other language. And it's not me that does that. You've got to find a, a local person that you can train, that you develop friendship with, that will become your translator. And and since they know the language a whole lot better than you do (laughs) and Mm -hmm. always will, then they do the translating. And then I just kind of then double check that and and help them to understand what it is that it needs to say. So that's a big part of the exegetical check is then making sure like. you start with, uh, what is the text supposed to be saying? What does it say? And then you have to communicate to them. They translate it. Then you go through it again and check that rough draft. And is it saying what it's supposed to say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you go through that like that times. And then we, once it's gone through all of that, we do a comprehension check where we'll sit down with some people who have no background or experience in it and read it with them and have them explain it and have them <clears throat> and and ask questions to make sure that it's being understood correctly, that it's being understood the way it should be understood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's really, that's a really cool part of the, of the process. It's really cool because I'm sitting with three or four guys who have no background in the Bible. They're not Christians. And, um, and they get to explain the gospel to me because <laughs> mm-hmm. we're, we're reading it to them. And they explain to me what they're understanding from that. Wow. And then we'll also catch words here. Or there key terms that I'll ask them. So what does this word really mean? Are there other words like this? Uh, what, and what, how are they used? And so I can get a broader understanding from more people than just our translator about the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after the comprehension check, we do a consultant check where somebody who probably worked in a, a language in the area, if not related. And so they have a little bit of background and understanding of the linguistics and, and what goes on. And so they, um, we do um, uh, call an interlinear, or it's a word for word uh, back translation back into English or French for the consultant to be able to read. and um, And then they read that. and and make sure that it's theologically it it sounds like it's it's saying what it's supposed to say. So you get somebody from outside seeing it. Mm. And then once the consultant check is done, then we have to prepare it for printing. You know, we uh, clean up the text (laughs) based on the the consultant's information and uh, we get it ready for printing. And then we do a preliminary printing, get it, Distributed so people can read it, try to get feedback on it, and then when the New Testament is done, we do the whole New Testament. We can bring in. There's another organization that can come in and do a recording of it so that we can put it on um, in a MP3 file so people can listen to it on their phones. Mm. Or there's also a thing called a par. Uh, or whatever, I don't, I don't remember. There is a little device, it's like a little radio. It's got a little solar panel on it and also a crank. So they don't need batteries and they can just sit it out in the sun or crank it. And, it'll, and it has the whole New Testament or the whole Bible if, you, if we have that done on it and they can just listen to it. So that's really, uh, pretty cool.
1: So that's, that's amazing. I, I love uh, how, I mean, you say seven stages, there's a lot of checks and balances all the way through there. Uh, from different people and from local people and outside organizations that um, we give a consistency and and an accuracy to the whole thing that that's, that's really cool. And I love using the local people to, to, to uh, test it out. Right. Like Mm -hmm. how do you understand this? Like what better test is that? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dwayne, did you say how long the
4: old Testament will take to do? I'm hoping that it will only take another eight to 10 years. Yeah. And then we'll have the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, wow.
1: Well, praise the Lord for for that uh, New Testament completion. That's awesome. Um, uh, Helen, let's ask you what what does family life look like in West Africa?
3: So, I guess the big kind of main idea to, to think about is that you're even though we're not in a r- rural area, we're actually in a fairly urban um, place, probably a town similar in size to Abbotsford. So, it's you know, there's a lot of people there who are not isolated like we might be in a village. However, you don't have any other consistent support really to to rely on. So we don't have any other missionaries currently in our area of our mission. There are other missionaries around, but missionary life is always transient. You know, people are always, every, every few years or whatever, they'll go on a home assignment and such. And so there isn't a consistency in Relationships there that can be that can be really challenging, Uh, so we have to just be a strong family, you know, to support each other and such. And as it is, we work from home and we homeschool and such, and so we spend a lot of time together. And so we are really close as a family, and that's a huge blessing. The kids do have a few other uh, missionary kid friends, uh, but there aren't other English-speaking. Kids around, and they really haven't been able to learn the local language, so connecting with local kids has been challenging. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, life is pretty involved in terms of uh, you know cooking everything from scratch and just having to deal with our own electrical system, solar system, and all that sort of thing. But spend a lot of time together, and that's, that's great. Yeah. yeah,
0: I've been really enjoying uh, having your family back and getting to have uh, your kids in youth in the last little bit. It's been uh, awesome to get to know them a little bit more and hang out. So yeah, super grateful to have you guys around. So I would want to know, as uh, can be answered by either of you, is what are some assumptions people make about missionaries mm-hmm. in Africa that are not
4: accurate? I'm sure there's lots. Things that people assume about missionaries, but also about missions in general. And one one of the things is I think people still have it in mind that missionaries tend to work in small villages out in the middle of nowhere with no support, Mm -hmm. (laughs) living in a grass hut or or whatever. And and that just isn't really the face of missions nowadays. Um, Most mission organizations, really, their their focus over the last few decades have been um, urban ministries. And so a lot of mission, a lot of missionaries will work in large cities. And, uh, also, especially with, um, a focus on the 1040 window, then they talk about a lot about, um, area they found in the world where when they look at several different, um, characteristics, uh, like poverty and world religions and acts, what unreached peoples and where are they in the world? And the majority of them keep coming up. In parts of the world that's between 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north of the equator across Africa and Asia. And so um, that's the 1040 window. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're just inside that 1040 window <laughs> and, and reaching an unreached people group.
3: There are still area. some people living in rural villages, but uh, a
4: lot of people are. Yeah, so most, most missions and most missionaries and focus on the urban ministries and outreach in the cities with the assumption that then those people, when they receive the gospel, will take it back to their villages. But there are some that are noticing that that doesn't necessarily always happen. And uh pioneer Bible translators is one of the few missions really still that has probably the majority of their missionaries that still work in rural villages. Mm. And out in the middle of nowhere, like mm. people assume missions happen, mm. except we're not one of them. So <laughs> <laughs> we we actually, like Helen said, work work in a city that's probably about the size of Abbotsford, yeah. and, and in, it
3: feels a little bit more like a conglomerate village. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, we don't think of it as urban, but
4: it is it doesn't really have the resources that say Abbotsford would have. But yeah. and you know, the power is unreliable and supplies aren't quite the same and easy, but although over the last several years, a lot more stores that import stuff that we're used to, you know, Western stuff, <laughs> cheese and stuff like that, uh, are are coming into the area. So, right.
3: The other thing that's really <clears throat> interesting is that we often think of missionaries as being from the Western world. Mm. and um, And, you know, a lot of missionaries are, but more and more there's missionaries coming from other places, even within Africa. So, uh, like there's a lot of Korean missionaries in, in Africa. Mm. And so there is, there's been at least two or three Korean families. And then more recently, uh, there's a church denomination in Ethiopia that is eager to see people reach, uh, go out to reach a particular language group, not our group, but uh, one that's in our area and so a couple of years ago an Ethiopian family came to our town to uh, start ministry there and it's pretty challenging because we all learn French for working there because it was a former French colony and that's a major language for you know getting around and such but we're used oftentimes those of us from North America or England or whatever are used to you know being together and fellowshipping in English and a lot of these people don't have any, uh, any English or very little. And so it's a challenge to try to figure out, let's see, how do we actually interact well together, you know, and be a support to each other. And so like there's, there's these two uh, Korean sisters who live out in a, in a village and our best communication with them is the local language that we all speak. So that's kind of yeah. cool. But one time, oh, we have a ladies' prayer group that we get together every week. One time I I looked around and I was pretty uh, stunned to see, even in in our small community of, say, 15 to 20 missionaries, we had um, represented people from Asia, Africa, Australia, Europe, and North America. So that was (laughs) pretty neat.
4: Yeah. Uh, But it is exciting to see more people from other parts of the world getting involved in missions. And there's even some missions now that are focusing on trying to recruit and train people, like from uh, Latin America Mm. to get involved in missions rather than just being the receivers of missions. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. What a cool picture of the kingdom, like all these nations working together to reach the nations, right? Like from everywhere to everywhere. Uh, I think that's really cool. Uh, talk about, for a moment, I just want to hear your description of the road to the capital. I've heard stories about the road you have to travel. So tell us about that.
4: We find it kind of interesting that so many roads have been closed here because of a little rain. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, 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 no. Just imagine still having to get across to or something like that, even with yeah. the mudslides. Put it in four wheel drive and go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we have it's,
3: not quite that bad. it's a road, so it's about six hundred sixty kilometers from us to the capital. So, I mean, if you could go at a at a high speed and not have too much in your way, you know, six or eight hours might be a reasonable amount of time to get there. Um, the problem is that it's kind of it's about the width of a, of a back highway, you know, so it's pretty narrow and a lot of the road goes um, through a mountainous area. And so it's like these switchback roads kind of thing. It's not on the edge of a cliff or, you know, it's not that sort of thing necessarily. It's not that tricky thing, but, um, there's a lot of big trucks. A lot of
4: blind curves. A lot of blind big curves. Trucks and big trucks that are going are slow very, up the hill and coming and on the wrong side, coming down the hill. <laughs> and
3: so, you know, you're always trying to get around them. And so there's a, it, it, it has its to risk. <laughs> the other thing is that, I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, we don't have like a lot of amenities along the way at all. So we have to carry all of our travel food with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, there isn't like, fast food places. No Tim Hortons on the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a shame. There are gas stations, but we always have to make sure that we're getting, you know, enough fuel along the way. And you know, so if fuel is out in a particular area, <laughs> that can be a little tricky. Right. Um, and then, you know, we just if anything, if we ever had a breakdown, thankfully we haven't, but you know, or accident or something, you're really pretty limited in in getting any kind of help. Oh. Um, as far as the actual road condition, it varies. Uh, it has never been done super well. Um, corruption is a problem, and even if other you know people from other countries come and do it, it there's yeah, it's just corruption affects it all. So the the layer of of pavement is very thin, and we get really heavy rains there. Um, kind of like what what here, you know, what we've gotten here, but not for usually as long, but in the capital, it can no, pretty, we can get it quite bad. a bit
4: longer, just as heavy <laughs> as caused the flooding here. And, and um, there is flooding that happens there, but it's to them a regular occurrence. It's not something that's unusual. So that that's really hard on the roads. So we yeah. got the heat, the big
3: trucks with no uh, standards of, of how of weight and such. And so yeah. between that and everything, roads don't hold up. So, you know, we might have, they might work on one road, one part part of the road and we enjoy that for a couple of years and then other parts breaking down and never know what you're going to find. It's usually taking us 12 to 15
4: hours. Wow. Yeah. On what should be an eight hour trip. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, I hope I know our church sent a team a number of years ago to visit you guys. Uh, It would be amazing to go and and see you guys travel the road and see your house and see where you're, where you're living. Um, That'd be, that'd be really cool. Well, t- tell us about how you've seen God work in the last few years through your ministry.
4: What we would love to be able to say is we've seen a lot of people come to the Lord and be baptized and churches planted and all this, but we're not at that point yet. <laughs> we're still translating. And so it feels like not much is really happening except that translation is getting done. Uh, a lot of um, hurdles and, and roadblocks along the way have, have move to the side at least, and we're able to make good progress at the moment. (laughs) However, at the same time, we have seen and and talking with other missionaries and the local pastor, God is preparing the field. There's a harvest that's coming. Uh, We haven't seen it yet. Uh, CMA Church has been in the area for 100 years now. They just had a a year or two ago, they had a a centennial celebration. And so and yet with very little fruit, but I I see it as, you know, that God has called all of us a role in it. And sometimes, let's see, I grew up in Central Oregon, a big part of my life in Central Oregon. And in Central Oregon, um, as you go down, there's uh, potato farmers and wheat farmers and all this around through there. And you'll see these fences made out of rock Rock fences, where you'll find, see in the middle of a field, a huge pile of of lava stones of about, you know, about a six inches to a foot in diameter, and and, uh, and and if you're not aware, you don't don't know what all that's about. But what it's about is that those rocks used to be all throughout the field, and uh, they have to be picked out of the field to be able to farm the field, and so. Over the centuries of farming there, you've got these big piles of stones. When you're, when you're uh, harvesting potatoes, often about a quarter or a half of what comes up that looks like potatoes are actually rocks that you have to throw away. <laughs> so you pile them off on a pile, you build walls out of them, you build your um, barns out of the stones, all that kind of thing. And so um, for those last century, it's been picking rocks, mm. not seeing the fruit. But, but it's beginning to look like there's good ground and God is preparing things. The New Testament is is on the edge of being available to the people and, and, and uh, the Old Testament is coming and uh, people are um, becoming curious and interested. Just, uh, at the time when this local script was being developed, uh, there was zero interest in learning to read and write in their own language. And this guy, read uh, a newspaper article that said that African languages were like songs of birds. They were nice to listen to, but you couldn't write them. And so that's why he came up with a writing system that he developed himself for his language because um, he thought that wasn't, that wasn't true. His language was a real language and you could write it. (laughs) And so, um, and now there is an interest in, in learning to read and write in their own language. And uh, people are, um, are becoming interested in, and uh, colleagues of ours in in the literacy program, they're setting up rural Mm -hmm. libraries throughout in the rural villages and places. And uh, and so now there's a a large number of books and all kinds of subjects um, in their language and people are wanting them. And, And they want the scriptures in there too, because they know that's being translated. One of the villages, there was a local reading club Reading in this uh, local script, eight guys, and all of them became believers in Jesus together, and uh, they and their families, and they're also the ones where they that have one of these rural libraries, and they so with the library they started a school, and now there's a Christian school in the village, but people don't aren't aware that it's a Christian school yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But there's a school in the village started by Christians and and. uh, christian understanding a uh, worldview behind the teaching right. so
0: mm-hmm. wow yeah well let us end with just this question is how is it being back in north america and how does your work carry on from this point
4: good being back mm-hmm. there's there's things we can enjoy however it's not quite as good at this time as it has been in the past because uh in reality because of some of the limitations because of of the COVID pandemic Mm -hmm. and coming back, it's been kind of strange to come back and see, um, supply chain problems causing there to be difficulty to get certain things in the store or going out and doing activities or or whatever that we would normally enjoy while we're here. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so in some ways it's like, Oh, I don't know. It was easier. Maybe where we were, no, not quite, but, (laughs) 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 um, But the work continues on. We're on our home assignment and part of the home assignment is supposed to be vacation time to rest. Yet we're um, uh, working. And also it would normally be a time where we can uh, connect with our supporters and supporting churches. But because of limitations from COVID, that's not looking like it's going to happen or not to the extent that it normally would. And, uh, uh, And so we're... But we're uh, continuing the work via Zoom. And so, every day or four days a week for a couple hours, I'm connected with guys back in West Africa on Zoom and doing the NCO trans the script transfer into this other script, which I didn't tell you the name of it. It's called NCO. NCO is interesting. NCO is uh, a local word for the in the language means I say, Mm. so it's a local expression. And so the name of their script is I say, Mm. and it's, it's just like if somebody uh, was talking, you were talking to somebody and then you go, what did you say? And they would go, I say, I said, and then, so they would go, and then they tell you what, so that's, and so we're doing that. It's not as good as being there, but it, would be acceptable and work well uh, if we need to stay here longer and that we could continue and do the translation as well via Zoom. So we're getting this experience to set up to be able to continue.
3: But it's mm-hmm. always interesting coming back because even though we look like we fit, and especially for our kids that they you know, feel like they should fit in and know what's going on and all that, it is a culture shock. Mm-hmm. Especially I for bet. Them. They've spent mm-hmm. most of their life over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's always new things to adjust to. And like said, that COVID situation has kind of added a new layer of kind of culture shock. To the yeah. We well, should imagine. You know, oftentimes, when we come back, we're like looking forward to being able to do things that we haven't been able yeah. to do. And we have been able to.
4: Do mm-hmm. For our kids, Sir. They miss out on some of the uh, pop, cult- a lot of the pop culture references and things mm-hmm. because uh, oh, you know, totally. they, they didn't grow up with it. So they don't know all the current music. We don't know sure. all the or TV shows <laughs> or podcasts. Yeah. They're getting a little better on the podcast and, and uh, YouTube videos. <laughs> you know right. <laughs> yeah. So
3: yeah, the internet you know, has helped a lot, actually. That has provided a lot more connection than mm-hmm. we've had in the past, mm-hmm. and, First being able to be part of the off road services of last year, last year and a half, it's been really nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. keep up with yeah. what's happening and yeah, the music mm-hmm. and everything like that. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I try to uh, I try to note every once in a while uh, uh what could be considered a win for COVID, and uh, having you guys join our services on Sunday mornings it was one win for COVID. So, <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> well, we don't, you know, one of the things that we, is really cool about being back is that we, you know, since we are our only, you know, kind of spiritual input for our kids, we don't have an English speaking church there. Um, you know, it is really cool that they can be, yeah, just have the influence of other believers teachers here. Mm-hmm.
4: and the part kids. of youth group and, and yeah. Bible studies with people other than us. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. yeah. It's been, it's been cool to have, your whole family back because in a way we're so used to you all not being there, but at the same time we we see kind of your faces so often and we hear about you during Missionary of the Week updates. So it was almost like just so natural for you guys to be back at Ross Road and to see you every Sunday morning. It's uh, it's really cool and the same for yeah seeing the kids throughout the week. It's uh, mm-hmm. just so special. Um, yeah, so thank you both so much for coming on to the podcast today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. You're
4: welcome. Thank you for inviting us. <laughs> yeah.
0: Of course, yeah. This was uh, yeah. This was an awesome conversation, and of course, we will be continuing to pray for your whole family and uh, that you will be able to actually get uh, some rest while you're here. Um, but yeah, just uh, really awesome to chat with you guys today. So thank you so much, and uh, thank you so much to our listeners. And uh, we will be back in another couple of weeks with our next episode with Jason Lepp. So yeah, thanks so much for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.